Welcome to the FU Autoimmune Podcast, where I interview experts and businesses that will help you fight against autoimmunity. I'm your host, Desiree Worland. As a health coach and a person who has autoimmunity, I know what you put on your skin matters just as much as what you eat. The skin is an organ that absorbs everything and sends you the bloodstream. Some skincare companies describe their product as natural, but when you read the ingredient list, they're filled with chemicals like parabens, synthetic colors, and fragrances. That's why I'm excited to share my interview with Laika, the founder of In the Weeds Natural Skincare. We discuss not only her stringent quality of her products, but what resiliency means to her and how she has created healthy boundaries for herself. All right. So thank you so much for your time. And after reading your, your bio or how you got started in the weeds, um, it sounds like your business got started off a big obstacle from. Yes. My life was in the weeds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's how you started your, your business and came up with the name. For the people that aren't familiar with the product, would you mind sharing what your product is about or what your business is about? So um, at In the Weeds, we make all natural skincare products, candles, um, and some other little things that are kind of like home, uh, not home health, but like self-care. So um, when I started my business, it actually was the fall, this fall, like a, if nine years ago this fall. I was trying to get that out of my mouth. But um So yeah, it's almost been nine years in business since I got my DBA and I went to school and graduated with my degree at Texas State in interior design and it was right after the recession. So it's kind of hard to find that kind of job, but I ended up working at a furniture store and um, I was only there about a year before I had a really bad back injury and it was just kind of like I was spending my lunch breaks trying to uh, apply for other jobs but I couldn't really find anything. And so it was just getting to the point where I couldn't really work there anymore. And the position that I was supposed to have um, got kind of taken away from me. And so I was just like, well, what do I do? Um, I originally went back to um, school to become a makeup artist and just get paid. And then I made a school project um, we had a school project and to make a, an exfoliant, which is essentially really easy, but I break out to everything. And while I was in school, I started realizing how many chemicals were in cosmetics. And actually, so um, it's still disappointing. Nine years later, uh, not much has changed, but like only 10% of any um, body care, skin care is actually, that's put on the shelves is actually ever tested. They just um, mostly ask for, um, you know, shelf life and things like that. But as far as like safety, that's not the case. And considering I am such a great test bunny and I bring that <laughs> to everything, um, that's where it all started, where I was kind of the um, the A student where I'm like, I'm going to take this project and make it, you know, you know, I want the best one in the class. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's like competitive. It, yeah, I, I am like competitive, uh, a little competitive, but um I knew I had something going when my peers, because these were just in little like Gerber baby jars from my sister that I gave out samples and some girlfriends from college. Um, But then my teacher was purchasing it for her son. 
And I'm like, we have all these brands that are well-known brands in school that we're using for our, you know, when we have facials to get our hours and things like that. So I was just like, why is she choosing me? Um, so that's kind of how it all started was just my curiosity. And um, I was introduced to essential oils in school. So uh, by a massage therapist there, and she was one of the best in the, in the state. So it kind of just, it, it's, I don't know, the way I describe it is that I was desperately looking for the universe to give me signs. And mm -hmm. those were the signs I was getting and these little puzzle pieces that I put together. And I always tell people that there's like, there's signs out there like crazy if you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of in a nutshell, the, the very short version of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wanted people to really get that feel of, of the struggle you really had to go through. And as you mentioned, the stars align and you not giving up and having that resiliency, especially through your injury that you had to go through. But if you don't mind, we can talk about that a little bit later and the resiliency that you had or the mindset you had to have. But I wanted to just learn more about your product, where it is at today since it's been nine years. Um, what, what would you say is your favorite product that you use for yourself? Oh, that one's tough. There are three for sure that we have in the making right now. And another one that we haven't even introduced yet that I've been testing for a long time. Um, so there's three products. It would be doll face, our face scrub, high five, our face. Um, it's a cream serum. So it melts. It's amazing. And then LOL is the body version of doll face. So those three products, I actually said it several times this past weekend at one of my shows that if I wasn't in business, I would still be making those products because I use them regularly. Mm -hmm. um, high five, I use twice a day. That recipe took me about two and a half years. It was originally just supposed to be a little zero dropper bottle. And um, this, so all the products I do um, go through like 20 test runs and it's extremely frustrating. It, I don't think it's ever happened where you get it, you, know, you knock it out of the park in the first two or three. Um, so there's several uh, test batches of that I've been working on a deodorant for a long time. And like I said, I break out for, for everything. Um, a lot of natural deodorants either have baking soda and or coconut oil and mm -hmm. coconut oil is a very fatty oil. And if you're acne prone, you, you will break out to it um, to the point where I had like pimples in my armpits. Oh, that's not, <laughs> but, no, that doesn't feel and, good. And then baking soda, um, though it's a good deodorizer, it changes your pH balance. So I like, I'm the girl that gets a rash in my armpits in New Orleans in August. It was amazing. Um, so, but I, I really pride myself in, because I'm so particular about the products that I use about mm -hmm. testing them. And if it's not something that I really, really like, I kind of don't, um, I don't see the point of, you know, I kind of, I want my sales girls to also, and I say girls, cause it's just mostly been girls. I don't think we've, well, we've had a guy before. Um, but, uh, I, I want them to believe in the product too. And they get kind of like a monthly allowance to shop whatever products we have too, because I want them to have the experience of, uh, using our products and being able to relay that to customers too. But those, um, three products that we have. And then of course that deodorant, and I'm hoping to get that out um, next spring too. Oh, congratulations. That's exciting. So it sounds like not only that you really believe in your products, but you really, it goes through a whole gamut of testing to make sure that there's no reactions for yourself, 
but you allow these uh, your sales goals to really understand how these products are used on themselves and know that they're what is their take on the testing of the products of themselves like if i test it well i usually i'm always the first one to test it and i can always tell by smell or consistency or texture like there's several things that i'm looking for before like and i will debunk it and be like okay we have to tweak it again um so it goes through a lot with me before um i even have a group test it so my sales girls sometimes they uh, or my i should say sales team just to be um neutral but they um sometimes they'll be curious and they'll volunteer if they want to try something and they know i've been working on something but then we go through another kind of group test where we would do like an open call for people to test our products and see like after it's already gone through me and i like it i just get some extra feedback so if there's anything that somebody else is concerned about too so um I think that everybody knows that my intentions is to make the best quality product. I've seen other companies where they just knock out um, a bunch of products and I'm just kind of like, have you, have you even tried it? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be surprised how many people actually don't. Um, no. So that is uh, one concern too. But um, another thing that I've noticed with competitors is that, um, so you can easily purchase like a base cream from a distributor you can buy it by gallons where you just add your own scent and then it's like oh i made it but unfortunately this is the way of course it's like i can never get the easy route um i break out to the stuff that's in the base so Mm -hmm. i can't even use that option so i'm really starting from scratch and i compare it a lot to like baking you know um it's like you're just looking for different you're adding ingredients and you're trying to thicken it up or you're instead of taste you're going for smell or texture and things like that so yeah, uh, but yeah it's a some and i wish i had more time to be in the kitchen it's been a little tough because i feel like i'm uh, being spread a little thin so um, i'm trying to work on some new products hopefully that'll be coming i don't know if we're gonna have it before christmas but hopefully in the spring yeah well thank you for sharing on the upcoming products that's exciting and how you really experiment with um, before the before and, and after, as far as your, um, what is needed for you to feel safe and letting us know what other people are doing. There's a base and adding ingredients. Um, Some people do that. Um, I'm not saying yeah. everybody does that, but I have seen that out there where I'm just like, how do they have so many products so fast? And I'm like, oh, well, if that works for them, that's fine, but that's just not me. And there's enough um commerce to go around that they can have their lane and i can stay in my lane and that's fine it's just that's it's not going to work for me even if i try yeah yeah um and i understand that there are certain ingredients that you first started probably started experimenting out with what would you say is your favorite ingredient to is your go-to with your products that's a tough question Well, that is a tough question for me because so the way I formulate products is almost like a reverse puzzle. It's almost like I see the puzzle and I'm putting the pieces together and I know what I want. So there is something called a comogenesis scale. And it's basically a list of different oils and butters and it go and it'll rank the oils and butters from a scale from zero to five 
five being the most likely to clog your pores. So when I'm formulating, I go by this list and I'll never use anything higher than a two. So for example, almond oil is a two. I would say almond oil is my favorite oil because um, it is good for like redness, inflammation. It has anti-inflammatory properties. I'm also a big fan, fan of chamomile. Chamomile is a natural hydrocortisone. So for people with eczema and psoriasis, we have a couple products that have um, the chamomile infused oil. So this oil is just in a crock pot. That's the only thing that's ever been in that crock pot. Um, and they are constantly going, just infusing the chamomile into the oil. And then we use the oil to make anti-itch products or add a different bit of gentleness too, because it's anti-inflammatory um, properties too. But I definitely use that um, scale to formulate my products. And I tell people, so people that love coconut oil probably never were acne prone. And mm. coconut oil is great, especially for mature, non-acne prone skin. But coconut oil is a four out of zero out of five. So I will not be putting that on a product that goes, you know, on the face or, you know, prescribe it. And that's also like what I was telling you about the deodorant. So coconut oil is a very fatty, fatty oil. So it'll make you break out if you're prone to breaking out. Um, and then of course, lavender, lavender, but the thing is a lot of people are allergic to lavender surprisingly, but lavender is a natural, you know, antibacterial properties. Of course, the smell, um, is great. But then um, it's just really good for healing. Oh gosh! See now you ask me these questions. And now I'm thinking about all these ingredients. And the last one, <laughs> say, the last one I'm gonna say is honey. Honey is like amazing for wounds, acne. Um, has emollient properties. So it's good for dry skin. So those are my my top four. I couldn't even give you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I, I heard a lot of since this is an autoimmune type of podcast and getting businesses and products um, and I'm interviewing them. What would you recommend for somebody that has autoimmunity and has skin problems? That um, I would definitely say the lavender and honey together is amazing. Um, honey, I've used it for allergies and dogs. Like my dog actually had the worst seasonal allergies and I would just put a tablespoon of honey in her food and then of course the other two dogs were like, we want honey in our food too. Um, but she had to wear shirts all the time because she would break out into these rashes and she would scratch so much that she was like bleeding. Um, but honey is just amazing in its um, properties. And especially if you get it local to your area. So that helps with that too. Um, and then, you know, for autoimmune issues, I would consider honey to be a really good internal and external um, healing property. Like I've seen, I've had a, a really bad burn on my hands. And instead of putting all these other creams, I just got honey and wrapped it in gauze. And I was, this was years ago, but I was surprised how I didn't need any extra medical care after that. It didn't even blister or, or anything. You just keep it moist. And, um, it's amazing what these natural things that our environment and, um, you know, provides for us. My brother also has um, an autoimmune um, disease. He has psoriatic arthritis. So, um, and then he has psoriasis too, but it's, it's, I know it's hard for him to find products that'll work with him because a lot of times that these products that have chemicals will heal one thing about your issue, but then the side effects to other areas of your skin and acne products are like that too. Um, it's like it causes problems elsewhere. It's like, is, it, is the side effect w worth the, um, 
you know, the healing of your original problem. Right. Right. And with this, um, I was wondering if you are willing to share with his psoriasis, is there any products that he's using from you, um, your, your yes. line that may, that may help him. So actually my mother, my sister, and my brother all have psoriasis. Um, I don't know. I think it's because I took after my dad. I was always the one with the oily acne prone skin. So, um, unfortunately, um, well, I guess, fortunately, I, I feel for them for having to go through it. Um, cause they all have it in different areas, but my brother has, um, on his leg and um, it's gotten better. He's been in a clinical trial. Um, but I'm glad that you could still use topical um, products. I have a, a salve called Mama Tea's TLC, and it's just the chamomile flowers with a base. It's very gentle. So the, the only smell you get from it is the actual chamomile flowers itself. And this is like, I've used it on dogs, on babies, uh, pregnant women with their, you know, when their bellies start to itch. Um, but that one I like really well for him because, um, Years back, the mark that he has on his, or the area on his calf, it was so raw that it looked like shingles. It was just, you know, and you want to be able to put something on it that you're not going to have some kind of reaction. And that, and I love that product because it'll spread really easily. So you don't have to put a lot of pressure. When you have products, when you have to kind of like rub it in on like a really, you know, it's like you're adding, you're rubbing something into a, like a burn almost, you know? So um, that was the product that I always give him. And then I actually just made him a little chamomile oil on the side, just to, just the oil itself. But mm. yeah, that definitely helped him. Um, and it was a shame with him because he couldn't even go out in the sun because two seconds in the sun, it's like the sun just saw that spot and just would go straight for it. So he was very, very tender to it. Ouch. Ouch. Thank you for sharing. And it sounds like you have really helped many people and not only people with their acne or psoriasis, but your dogs, like you said, that you have helped them in their skin conditions. And I know it's so funny. <laughs> um, I'm only down to one now. I recently had to put down another um, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, but she was a white dog and she was very sensitive <laughs> to the sun. So I'd have to put sunscreen on her. And I was just like, it was funny how they all had these different skin issues. They're just like people too. Um, but, um, yeah, so we've had it, I've, I've helped so many, I've helped a lot of people, but I think that when it comes down to it, um, I know that at times with, so my mom has her psoriasis right on her hairline in, in her face and my sister has it in her hair, but in the back. So the thing with, um, whether it's psoriasis or acne, um, or whatever it is, it's just, I feel like I'm in the business of helping people get their confidence back because whatever it might be that they're ashamed of, whether it be like, Oh, I have these spots on my hands or, um, I, you know, acne prone and I have this, this cystic acne and there, I actually had one woman. Um, Oh my gosh, this was probably the best. And I, I just got goosebumps. One of the best emails I've ever gotten where she sent me pictures of her son who had long hair and he was covering his, he was using it to like cover his face. He was like hiding behind his hair and she sent me a picture of him like playing cards with, I guess, uh, like another family member or friend where he had his hair pulled back in a ponytail and he was like smiling and laughing. And she was like, thank you for bringing his smile back. Like wow. just the most touching thing um, I'd ever, you know, one of the, the best emails that somebody had told me where they were just like, thank you so much. You just brought this, like, you know, my son back to me. 
And that, that really meant something because um, confidence comes in different in different shapes and forms. And you, sometimes you don't even realize what's taking it away, you know, from, from yeah. you. But that, that's really important. And I've, I've been there too. Um, I'm quite tall and I grew up um, in South Texas where um, many men aren't as tall as I am. So I always kind of felt that um, even if I wasn't trying and I walked in somewhere, people were staring at me. And once someone says like, oh, when she walks in a room, everyone's looking at her. I was like, oh, I hate that saying because like, then they're noticing all these things. And I wouldn't even go to the gas station and my acne was so bad that I would like wear makeup just to go to a quick trip to the gas station. So it, it's funny how that manifests in other ways and you won't even notice that you're just like, oh, I just want to look pretty, but why didn't you think you looked pretty before? You know? Yeah, yeah. And just like, as you mentioned, confidence can come in different ways and shapes and forms. And it really has a domino effect on who you, who you want to be and your future. And once you get that confidence back, it, it, it's a domino effect on not only yourself, but others. You really change the way you are. And this kind of goes back to your, your story of um, if, if we want to go back there, but what your resiliency in building this business up, what is the biggest thing that you, you didn't expect in building this business up? Because it's been nine years and yeah. Biggest thing I didn't expect. Um, one, well, definitely dealing with uh, customers that have these issues is one, how I wasn't expecting to make such changes in some people's lives. Also my, my own, because uh, when I started this job, job, right? Um, I, when I created this job, um, I was desperate. I was, um, I was also really moved to see, you know, I always tell people like being desperate is where miracles happen. That's when you get, people get creative because they need to think out of the box. Something's not working. So, um, one thing that I've taken away from it is, uh, my ability to adapt. I feel like I don't really like change. I don't really know a lot of people that do, but I feel like I've gotten to the point where you can um, change and adapt pretty well. And another thing about me uh, that it's that I didn't expect um, is like sometimes you are so set on something, and when you know it just it, like that that adaptability. Um, and that some things like that used to get me so upset. I feel like I don't even have time for it. You just have to like, you have to make, you're making decisions on a daily basis. So seeing that um, was, was one thing, but also um, I kind of didn't expect how well received my company would, would be, um, especially in the San Antonio community. That's, a, that's, a, that was another thing. Um, so when I first started my business, I didn't really think San Antonio was going to be a place where these like this natural and organic kind of, uh, line would be accepted, but San Antonio was really willing to listen. I had tried in Austin first, but when I first went to Austin, cause I grew up in, or I not grew up, I went to school at Texas state right down the road. 
was that um, they were like, kind of like, well, yeah, everything here is organic. And it was just almost like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm like, no, this is different or um, something like that. Because that I think the term organic is really overused. Um, I personally don't really use it in our work. In, in describing our products, even though we do use organic ingredients, I just think that it's so over overused. But um, people have been really uh, accepting and willing to learn, and 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 then they and and the last thing I was gonna say to that question is that um, so bad news travels fast, but good news travels real fast too. If people, that was one thing I did not expect because I feel like. You know, I grew up in the valley. You know, everyone listens to the cheesemes and the gossip. And all that <laughs> stuff, so, um, but people will speak on on the good too, for sure. And that's my business was built on word of mouth at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. And I actually remember meeting you at a farmers market in I think at the Rim a long time ago. And that has I, been a long time. <laughs> and. I remember using your product and I absolutely enjoyed it. So from five years ago to where you are at now, how many, how many products would you say have you thrown away and restarted? Um, or like you said, you go through this process of experimenting and reeling them out. Um, and I only ask this because resiliency is part of an entrepreneur and part of autoimmune. There's a connection. I think of the timeline of five years ago. I know that we started a whole different line of candles. Um, we have close to 50 products now. Um, if you include all the candles and wax melts and all that, but just the skincare, um, goodness, one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> just like, um, a little, probably a little under 10 in just the last couple years. I'm trying to think we, we, there was one product we had that I did get rid of that some people still ask about. It was, um, oh my goodness. It was called breaking bath. It was, um, <laughs> it owed to the show breaking bad. And it was just like a play on, um, you know, they're making meth. Right. And so we had this blue mica powder that we made our salts blue, but because it was in a clear jar, um, and this was before we had started using a preservative. So we do use an eco-certified um, vegetable-based preservative now. Um, that's a whole nother story. But um, at the time we didn't, and the blue would start to fade and people wouldn't buy it unless it was blue. And it used to have little menthol crystals on the top and then a silver spoon that was just a joke. It was a silver, like little tasting spoon. <laughs> um, and the whole like bath salts thing happened where like people were like snorting bath salts and all that. So I was like, okay, like this was just a joke, but we, we didn't get rid of it because of that. We got rid of it just because uh, we were, nobody wanted it if it faded to clear. They wanted their breaking bath to be bad. <laughs> Um, I really don't know anything about meth other than what color I was trying to match to. That was really it. Um, but because that show is not really watched as much anymore, um, you know, it was just kind of like a, a temporary thing. Um, but yeah, that's the only product that I've kind of gotten rid of. Um, oh, no, there was another scrub too, but that was like a seasonal. But um, it's funny you asked that question though, because I do have six 
products in the pipeline right now. Oh, wow. You only told us about two. a rebrand <laughs> and I didn't want to debut them already because we would have to make one label now and another label for the rebrand. And I just kind of thought like, why don't we just make the rebrand and have this all launch at the same time? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's a good four different individual products plus the different scents. Um, so that deodorant will probably have three different versions of it because I also am putting biodegradable glitter in it. And I don't, there's going to be somebody out there that does want glitter in their armpits. <laughs> I don't want to know that person. But <laughs> I just haven't decided. Uh, my friends have voted against the name Sparkle Pits, but I don't know. Um, I, had, I had pit bulls. So I wanted to do a big campaign with like adopting a pit bull and have flower crowns and have this whole, you know, bougie pit bull sparkle pits thing. Um, so we'll figure that one out. I still want to do that like at ACL or South by Southwest or something. Um, but yeah, the deodorant, we do have a, a glitter version of it too. Yeah. It sounds like chemistry and, uh, you enjoy the play on words and creativity. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. We have, um, a headache stick that I could, so it's actually bad when I come up with the name before the product's done because it's always like a flop. So um, if I have, I have to have the product first and then the name comes, but we have these little um, tubes. Um, I'm like, I don't have one right here with me, but uh, they were like a chapstick tube. And I would say it's like, it's like a chapstick, but it's not a chapstick. And it got to the point where I could not think of a name for this product and it became not a chapstick. And then we had to change it to not a lip balm because of the word chapstick. So yeah, we have a product that's literally called not a lip balm because it's like my liability all wrapped in a label. It describes, do not put this on your mouth, even though people do it all the time. I'm like, did you even read the label? Um, that's another thing I've learned. People do not read labels. Um, but so we always give directions um, verbally too, but the names are sometimes hard to play with because I, sometimes you're put on the spot, like, oh my gosh, like the printer people are literally waiting for this name, give them the name. Cause we need the label. We have a deadline and you're sitting there like, yeah, that's only happened a couple of times where we are like on a deadline. We need a product name, but not a lip balm was literally like a brain fart where I was just like, I don't know what to call it, but it's not a lip balm. Just throw it out there. <laughs> and not a lip balm ended up being like genius. So everybody, <laughs> It's so crazy. It, it says what but it I, is and how to use it at the same time. Yeah. So I feel like essentially when I started this business, I um, really enjoy the, the creative side of it. Um, unfortunately, when you're a business owner, you got to be a little left brain too and get, and get all that stuff taken care of too. And how have you been able to balance those two things? Um, well, I feel like the creative part, um, I'm kind of on my own. Um, I don't have a mentor in the kitchen. I kind of just have to learn and do my own research, but Unfortunately um, for me, being here in San Antonio, I learned so much through Launch SA the first couple of years. They are, um, I guess I can call it like an incubator, but they're inside the public library. And there's, you know, you walk in there, you'll probably see Ryan Salt. He's the director there. And also they have the Women's Business Center there too. So they have a bunch of accelerator programs for small businesses. There's a lot of help in San Antonio for small businesses that small businesses have no idea about. And if it wasn't for Launch SA, I don't think I would be half as good as I've been these years. 
Um, I've learned a lot and it's all, you know, I always um, am very generous of my time with them because it's, it's kind of one of those things where they've given me so much learning and they don't charge anything. Well, some of the paying it forward. Yeah. You pay it forward. And some of you did it for me. Cause I've had a lot of people tell me that I should be like a business consultant. And I'm like, that just doesn't feel right to me because so many people help me that, you know, I have to pay it forward too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So since you talked about mentors, who would you say is your top mentor that just grabs your soul? I've had several throughout the years, actually. Um, one I haven't seen in a whole minute, Thalia. Uh, she used to work with a small business development center uh, down in downtown, but she's still involved. My main mentor right now is Lucinda. She works through UTSA. I actually have a meeting with her this afternoon, and she introduced me to um, a manufacturing facility that's near and getting started with them. But I'm in a, in a weird limbo where I have a lot of puzzle pieces that are like kind of on the, they're on the back burner ready to go, but a lot of the plates are moving at the same time. So we need to sync them in. So she's given me that connection so that when I'm ready to make, you know, 10,000 jars, I have that in line, but you don't want to make 10,000 jars if you can't sell them. Right. So gotcha. we have that. Uh, but Lucinda has been amazing. Um, she's almost like a mother to me where she can give it to me straight. <laughs> well, I have a Mexican mother, so, um, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a lot, right? <laughs> um, if you know a Mexican mom, um, they're very direct, but Lucinda's, um, very direct with me, but also supportive. Um, and then Margot uh, Slauson, she used to be the women's business director at launch SA. And that girl is amazing. Um, she's not working with them anymore, but I think that she started her own business venture actually. But that, that woman taught me so much about, I remember the first time that we did the spreadsheet cause I'm not the, I can read a spreadsheet. I'm not the best about like, you know, putting them together. I've gotten better, but she helped me put together this whole spreadsheet of, it was like a big math equation of, um, basically whatever my batch is, how much that batch makes, how much are I using that batch, and then breaking it down to the cost of each individual product to the penny. And mm-hmm. um, when you're first selling, you kind of just slap a price on it. A lot of people do this. I hate it when I see jewelry makers that they put a price on it. And I'm like, you made this? And they're like, yeah. It's like, how long did it take you to make it? And then they're like, well, about an hour. And I'm like, so you're selling it for 20, but you did it for an hour. How much did it cost your goods cost? I'm like, oh, about $5. I'm like, you're only going to make like $5 off of this. Like if you don't charge your time and they're like, yeah, but I really like doing it. I'm like, so you like coming to these shows and paying a fee and then just making a little bit of money back. It's like, I want you to not only enjoy what you do, but profit from it. And so I try to, um, you know, give my unsolicited advice to people just because I, I see the value in their work and I want them to see the value in their time too. And before I didn't have any, any money at all. All I had was time. So um, I would, you know, cherish it out by, by almost equal to, to money. Um, 
So when I see other people and just not valuing their handcrafted work, um, especially because I can make a batch of something where I get, you know, 20 jars in a batch or something, um, but they only make one necklace at a time or yeah. you know, whatever it is. And so unless they have like some kind of assembly line, because I have another friend that does woodworking, she's like, okay, no, I make an assembly line. So I'm like, okay, as long as you're doing it in a way that your time is valuable, um, but a lot of artisans, um, that's, that's the detail. They don't realize yeah. the time that it takes to make something. And then just because they made it doesn't mean it's automatically sold. They have to now go somewhere to sell it. So that's yeah, the marketing really piece, but that was, um, that's extremely important in any business, um, at all. Even if you're selling something that you don't make, what is the cost of it? What are you reselling for? How many do you need to sell to make this worth your while? Um, but Margo was the person that did all of that. Even my monthly expenses, when you go down to, you go through your bank account and everything in your bank account is like put in a category, um, that kind of organization. I'm not like a messy person. I'm just not the most organized person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it sounds like more of a, the, the business aspect is, is. Yes, because, well, those things are, I hate to say it, they aren't the most fun things to do. But when at the end of the day, you're not going to have fun and you're going to get burnt out if you're not valuing your time. It's not going to be fun anymore when you're broke. Like, yeah. and it's amazing how much money comes in and out so quickly. <laughs> like that is something I still cannot get over. I'm like, how many, how much money came in? And then it's like, and then this bill got paid and this bill got paid. And then it's yeah, just, by the time you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it sounds like, yeah. Um, I, I can hear that business consultant come out and really wanting to pay that forward when you talked about um, these mentors. And as far as I, I heard you talk about your Mexican background or coming yes. from the Valley a few times. So I want to be mindful of your time. We only have about nine minutes left. So what would you say is your biggest takeaway getting from your background as coming from the Valley, South Texan, and your mindset to build up this business would be? What is my, my mindset from being in the Valley? Yeah, and the mindset and to build up this business. You know, what would you take from your background that really well, influences your business now? Well, I come from a multicultural home in the sense that, you know, my father is um, Anglo and my mom's Hispanic. Um, but I grew up more with my Hispanic family and I feel that, um, something with that culture is like community. Well, I feel like my dad's really big in the community too. Um, but, uh, I would say like, there's a lot of passion there. I don't know if that's just because I'm a Scorpio too. I'm like, I was telling my mom, cause she's always calling me so stubborn, but I was like, this is the first time that my stubbornness actually worked out in my favor because I like, refused to quit. Um, so I feel like that is something that took from that culture too, but also, um, it is kind of cultural for, you know, um, I would say Hispanic people to have, uh, plants that they use like for, um, what they call that is a poultice. No, 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 that's not the right. Where they make um, botanica. Like, well, that too but like a compress with herbs and natural things and teas and things like that. So I feel like that's something um, that my grandmother would do too, was just like a natural kind of 
healing to it, whether they just said, you know, sana sana. But, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, but I kind of feel like um, ha- having that open mind of different cultures um, growing up, I, it's kind of funny because I didn't really um, separate it too much. I just kind of thought like, this is how life is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then it, I guess when I got out of the valley, it was when um, I, I guess I didn't realize how white I looked <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, until I left the valley um, because I feel like I have to tell people I'm Hispanic here. Um, it usually just comes up, but yeah. So I, I don't, I, I just community and passion, I would say would be the answer to that one. Yeah. yeah. And the last question I, I, I want to ask you is your resiliency, this mindset you had to be from overcoming this injury and you were in the weeds. What, what mindset did you have to be or over, create to overcome that and build your own business? Well, that's an interesting question because when COVID happened, I was soaring high. Um, and that I had to really dig deep in again when COVID hit to have that resiliency again. And it's not something that I was just like born with. And it's not something that just because you had it once, it, you're always going to have it. Um, you have, um, I've had to fight my way up. I started my business on a $150 check that I got from my aunt and my sister's Gerber baby jars. I was extremely broke. I made like 110 or $120 my first farmer's market. And that thrilled me. And that's because I used to cocktail on sixth street and come home with hundreds of dollars a night. Um, and I didn't have to make the drinks, you know, like I have to do now. So something that I would say to somebody is that um, it ultimately comes down to your happiness, you know, just because you might need to fight for something, if it doesn't make you happy, I don't think anybody should do something that doesn't make them happy. I'm a big, I've been watching that show where like the lady says like anything that doesn't bring you joy, you should get rid of. And it's mm-hmm. funny how I will tie objects to feelings and, you know, you have to sometimes let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, being resilient um, isn't something that, how do I say this? Sometimes it's not a choice and sometimes you just have to do what you have to do, but ultimately if you're not happy, then I don't think anybody should do something that doesn't make them happy. Yeah. Um, because even with COVID, I've actually had a little bit more struggles this year than last year um, with some it's like, if it's not one thing, another word right now, it's like supply issues and that amazing preservative that we used, and I, it took me forever to find it. We've been using it for seven years, um, is in the vaccines. So mm-hmm. I haven't been able to find a jar of it myself this year. So right now we're only making like our best sellers. Um, I found something else that's very similar, but of course we have to kind of go through a testing phase for that too. Um, so you know, you just do what you can. And if you're not happy, um, like, cause I've explored that too. Like, do I want to do this anymore? Because, and then hiring, um, has been really tough. So I feel like I'm working more because 
Um, I don't want to say nobody wants to work, but I have never had so many no call, no shows to interviews before. And that's because I have a pretty extensive application. Um, so there's been a lot of challenges, but you ultimately say at the end of the day, is this what I want to do? Do I still find joy in it? I do still find joy in it, but there are some challenges that come. So I feel like being really honest with yourself is important because there's no point in being resilient if you're like dragging yourself through the fire, you know? Um, so I'm hearing creating those boundaries. Yeah. So I had this employee, um, you know, she just uh, left me a couple months ago, her and her husband moved to Georgia, but you know, I don't, I love this employee. She, um, her name is Victoria. She let me know a year ahead of time. Like, this is when I'm leaving. So I have plenty of preparation, but she was like my right hand, arm and leg. Um, but she got her master's in social work and she was the one that created boundaries. Cause I was the girl that would answer messages like outside the time that were open. And she's like, Lika, you stop that. And I was like, but then I forget tomorrow. She's like, no, you're off the clock right now. And she really helped me. Um, not work 24 seven. And I don't have to work 24 seven. A lot of people that are business owners think that they do, but I am a big advocate of like, no, I'm taking today off. Oh, but I need this. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like today is my day off. I've worked six other days this week. Um, but so that word resiliency, um, to me, I've always replaced it with like desire slash want to be resilient. It depends on how bad you want something. And I've learned that it's okay also if you don't want something, but that just means you need to be really true with yourself and explore other things because, um, but that want is so important because if you don't want to do something, like even if it's just like getting out of bed, like it's really hard for some people to get out of bed, you know, every day and that maybe that's their res resiliency. So I kind of feel that that, resiliency word to me has changed over the years before resilient. Maybe I wasn't resilient. I felt like I was just desperate and, you know, and I had to do what I had to do. Um, but it's funny when I hear people call it resiliency, um, because I just thought like, well, that's what I had to do. That's how I was raised. Like you got to take care of your stuff. And now I feel that way too. Um, but there are also, um, and mental health has really been a big thing with everything with COVID and self-care. So I kind of feel like those, all those things go hand in hand. There's no yeah. point in being resilient. If you're dragging, you know, you're dragging yourself through, through the hells and fire and all that stuff. But, um, at the same time, if you know that the reward at the end of like, you did it is also very important too. So to keep yeah. that in mind, but also just be really honest with yourself. I know that's a really long-winded answer. No, no, no. It makes sense. It sounds like there, there is quite a lot of balance and um, seeing the, what is keeping you joy now, or is it keeping you, is it going to pay off in the end? If it, and having these checkpoints I'm hearing and these boundaries are very important. And it sounds like you, you've made that balance of, of having those, these checkpoints for yourself. Um, and I appreciate your time. Um, I, I see it as resiliency because not everybody can pick up and get up where they were at. And it seems like the, the, the circumstances has changed for yourself, but you still have that resiliency to push forward for what you really believe, what you really desire, as you mentioned. Well, one thing I would say to anybody, uh, my friends, and I know somebody's going to laugh when they hear this. Uh, <laughs> I love Dr. Phil. 
Um, and my friends, everyone teases me about it. So if you tease me, it would be like the millionth time I've been teased, um, but he does give some really good advice, especially, especially for people. Um, like I've been in some toxic relationships and, um, how you treat yourself and things like that. But, uh, one thing he says is that you can't fall from the floor. So if you're already at that low point, all you like, really all you have to do is get up. And um, it's okay if you take a really long time to get up, but just you're already at the floor. So um, that's how I felt when my back injury happened. I wasn't even 30. And it was just like, I felt like my life, it just, everything had changed. But I looked at myself while I was at the, on the floor and I was just like, well, now what are you going to do? And, you know, like I, it's kind of just the whole being honest with yourself. Like, what are you going to do? Um, what are your other options? And I still say that to myself, like, I don't have to do anything. And I, I'm a big believer in, in that for anybody. Nobody has to do, if they're complaining about the job, they don't have to be there. But I feel like something is stopping them from having the confidence to leave. So you have to know when you're, where you should stay and where you shouldn't, whether it be a personal, you know, relationship or a business environment or, you know, school, maybe it's not just for you, but I feel like any, like just being that real honest with yourself. Um, but if, if things are bad, um, how much worse could they get one? And then two, if they couldn't get much worse then all right, well then it's going to look great. After, anything after this is going to be great. Right. So yeah, it's all it's gravy just, after that. Yeah. It's just perception. So, um, you know, we have one life and I'm sure that everybody through COVID has really realized that, um, life is short and you never know when yours is going to be, you know, your chapter, um, your book is going to close. So, um, you only have one, as my dad says, you only have one life, live it. Thank you. Thank you. Like, it's been a pleasure talking to you and not only learning about your business, but what it takes and what it took to build it and still continue to build it and rebrand it and hearing about your many influences and in your life. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you. That. All right. Thank you for listening to my interview with Laika. I hope you found her story as inspiring as I did. If you're interested in her products and in the San Antonio area, they can be found at Blue Star Provisions. Be Wallace Cafe and other boutiques. If you shop farmers markets, her products are at Alamo Heights and New Braunfels. Of course, you can always find her products online by going to shopintheweeds.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a rating and a review. I apologize, interview recording wasn't optimal. I appreciate your patience. Until next time.